You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Why and Who, Part 4. Enjoy. Hallelujah. So we're going to partake of those benefits. God wants you to partake of what He's provided for you. When, when, when dinner is prepared at home, usually Jennifer is, is the one who does that. Um, they don't want me doing that because <laughs> it would probably not be a good thing. Um, but usually Jennifer does, a, does that, and when she does, it's amazing. And sometimes the kids will do it and help her. But boy, she does that, so we'll eat it, right? She, she wants us to eat it all. So don't feel hesitant about receiving what God's provided for you. Come to his table and stuff yourself. I'm serious. This is the only buffet that won't, uh, that won't make you feel bloated. And like you, this is the kind of buffet that makes you feel stronger the more you eat. I'm talking about his promises, putting faith in his word. It strengthens you. The more you put your faith, the more you eat of God's promises, the stronger you get. And it's all you can eat. It's an all you can eat gospel. Isn't that wonderful? It's all you can eat for one price, Jesus. So God paid the price. It's time to eat. Okay? All you can eat. I'm hungry. I want more Jesus. Hallelujah. So we've been in the midst of a series at Highway Church called Why and Who. And we're going to continue that series. We're talking about why Highway Church. Why are we here? And who are we at Highway Church? I mean, why start another church? There are so many churches already. Well, we're, we at Highway Church, we're providing a place where people can come and hear and learn the Bible taught not based on man's religious tradition, but based on the person and ministry of Christ. And I'm telling you, it makes all the difference. Not based on a denominational doctrine. Not based on a, a, a seminary or a school of thought. But based on the person and ministry of Jesus. And unfortunately, what, what has happened far too often is what people have heard in churches are the philosophies of man. And the traditions of men. And boy, that's not going to make you whole. It's not going to set you free. So as, we, as I encourage you regularly, make sure your religious goggles aren't on, okay? Make sure your religious earbuds aren't in, all right? But fix your heart and your attention on the risen Christ and let him reveal himself more to you this morning, okay? Would you let him do that? Let's pray. Father, we're hungry. We want all of you that we can have. And we're not going to settle for one course, two course, three course. Lord, we want it all. We want the fullness of you showing up in every area of our lives. So we all got up out of our beds this morning and we came here to eat. To have all we can eat of you, Jesus. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to feed us to reveal more of Christ to us so that we will leave here today with a more clear, more stronger understanding and intimacy with Jesus than we've ever known. And we're relying on you to do that through your word. And it's in the name of Jesus that we gather and pray. Amen. Amen. Yes. So at Highway Church, you're going to hear some things that aren't commonly preached. Okay, 
And our message, you know, we're telling people that God sent his son to make you whole. To make you whole, spirit, soul, and body, okay? We're to, and, and, and right now, to make you whole today. Not in a hundred years, but now. That God is now, that Jesus is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. We're telling people, we're proclaiming with confidence and certainty that God doesn't make people sick. You don't hear that everywhere. We're letting people know that God is the healer, not the make-sicker. Okay? He's the healer. We're, 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 we're proclaiming with confidence and certainty that God does not cause or allow sickness. He does not cause or allow bad things to happen to teach people things. How do we know? How can we proclaim this with confidence? Because what we are proclaiming is not based on what we've been through. It's not based on man's philosophies or religious tradition. It's based on the person and ministry of Jesus as recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. That's what we go by. So we know that Jesus said without shame, boldly and confidently, that it's the thief that comes to steal. God doesn't send sickness into someone's life. The thief, that's a thief trying to steal from you. Sickness is a thief. There's nothing good about it. Don't you accept it. You kick it out of your life in the name of Jesus. There's nothing good about it. It's not your friend. It's not going to teach you humility. It's not going to teach you anything about God because God doesn't have any sickness to give you. He's whole. Okay? He's always whole. He's always righteous. He never changes. He never deviates from who he is. I need a God like that because this world is changing, isn't it? But our Father isn't changing. So we're letting people know these things, that it's Jesus that came, that they might have life and life abundantly. Sickness robs life from you. Jesus came so that you would have life and have it more abundantly so that the thief who's trying to steal from you would be rendered useless and, 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 and without power in your life. Hallelujah. So we're letting people know with confidence we're proclaiming that God's will doesn't automatically happen. And, and I really felt the Lord impressing upon me to spend some more time on this. I wanted to move on to some other things. But I, I feel the reason is because is this is such a stronghold in so many people's lives, so many believers who think that, that everything they've been through was God's will for them. But it's not true. We've all been through things that were not the will of God for our lives. And that is not disrespectful toward God at all. We're actually looking to Jesus, and when we look to him, we see this is true. Okay? Why, do, why does God's will not automatically happen? And we talked about this last week. We're going to get into some more as the message moves on. But Jesus had to come so that the thief's will would be stopped in your life and so that God's will could be done in your life, all right? Why? Why doesn't it just automatically happen? Well, we know from studying the ministry of Jesus and the scriptures that the earth is actually under the curse of sin. That's not a little thing. That's a death thing, all right? It changed everything when Adam fell. When he, we know, we learned, talked about that I think last week, right, that Satan stole the authority 
that God gave to Adam and Satan became the God of this world, according to Jesus, right? That's just Bible. We're not being disrespectful toward God. We're learning from him, right? We're learning how this thing works. We also know that we have a free will, right? That we're not robots. We're not puppets. And that what we say and believe impacts our lives, right? And what does Proverbs 18.21 say? Death and life are in of the tongue. Death and life are in my mouth. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus said it this way in Mark 11.23, that whoever believes what he says will happen, will have whatever he says. That could be positive or negative. It depends on what you say and believe. So there could be a number of reasons why God's will isn't happening in someone's lives. But it's not because he wants bad things to happen or that he's allowed bad things to happen. God's will is wholeness. Life abundantly is his will. Anything contrary to that is not from him and it's not for you. And I understand that that's shocking. And if you're with us online, don't turn me off yet, okay? Let, hear me out. I, I, I want you to experience the abundant life. Christ came to give you, okay? So we're going to go further into this, all right? Through faith in Christ, we're proclaiming loudly and, and confidently and, and consistently that through simple faith in Christ, not through church membership, not through religious sacraments, through simple faith in the finished work of Christ, God has given you victory over it all, over the curse of sin, over, over the, the enemy's authority that he stole. Through faith in Christ, the devil's under your feet. He has no authority in your life. He's given you uh, victory in your, uh, your spirit, your soul, and your body. And he teaches us how to speak so that we can have more life, okay? So we spent the first two uh, messages in this series talking about why we're here. And then last week, we moved into who we are. And we're going to talk more about God's will being done as we talk about who we are, okay? So let's continue with who we are. Who are we at Highway Church? Listen, we are people, we're different for this reason. We're a people that have a common purpose. But our purpose is unique. It is the greatest purpose any human being could ever choose. And it's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Let's take a look at it. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. And I'm going to read this in the plural because it's, it's our purpose here at Highway Church, all right? And as we read this, I want to encourage you, if you haven't made this the determined purpose of your life, do it now. Nothing will satisfy you more than this purpose. Nothing will strengthen you. Nothing will uh, lead you higher than this purpose. In this purpose I'm about to read is the meaning of life. I can't emphasize it enough. All right? For my, for our determined purpose is that we may know Him. Not know about Him. Knowing about Jesus will not help you. It's tasting and experiencing him personally. 
that will change you. So we don't want to know about him. We want to know him. I don't want to read a news story about Jesus. I want to know him personally. I don't have to go online to get to know my wife because I know her personally. It doesn't matter what I see online. I know her, right? So we're not looking for a source in this world to know Jesus. We go directly to him. He's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, right? We go to the scriptures and we study him because we want to know him. Look what this says. What does it mean that I may know him? That I may progressively. That means I don't know everything yet, right? Man, there's, there's more to him than we could ever know, and I want it all. <laughs> I want him more and more, right? That we may know him progressively, that we may progressively become more deeply and intimately, more deeply, more intimately acquainted with him. I like this line, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly, more clearly. That is our purpose here. And that is what we're, we're utilizing all the resources that we have to foster in, in every person's life that we come in contact. We want people to realize this is what life is all about, experiencing him more and more. It's not about religion. It's not about the social issues and political parties and, and what church you go to. It's about knowing him more. That's all it's about. It's not about what nation I'm from, right? It's about knowing him more. So because that's our purpose, now listen closely. This is where it might hurt a little bit. Are you okay? Yeah. Here's why you might need a Band-Aid or two. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life, because he's perfect, if I have made my determined purpose in life to know him, inevitably, there are going to be some ideas that I have, some beliefs that I may have had for 30 years, some convictions or conclusions that I've come to for 30 years that are going to need to go. Because he's Jesus, and I'm not. Right? In other words, I submit to him. Even if my great, 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 great grandfather, right, carried down a tradition through several generations and, and, and we have a, a written doctrine that's been passed down and, and it's esteemed by a major uh, educational institution, I'm going to go with Jesus because our determined purpose is to know him. And because of that, we love him more than great, 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 grandpa. We do. We love our families, but we love him more. We love him more than our spouse. I love my wife more than any human being on this planet. She's very lovable. But I love Jesus more, and she loves Jesus more than she loves me. I wouldn't want it any other way. That was one of the things in the movie that we saw. This, this man, Lee's wife, got saved before he did, and he got very upset. He thought he was losing his wife. But she ended up loving him more because she loved Jesus more, right? So inevitably, you're going to have to change the way you think. Because all of us have things that, that we have thought or may currently be thinking that aren't in line with the person and ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, okay? But that's okay. 
We wanted that. We want to change. We look forward to that. We embrace the transformation that comes through faith in the real Jesus. Okay? We embrace that. You know, you can't hold on to a wrong idea and have more of Jesus at the same time. You can't. You can't. It blocks. It blocks that relationship. So if I hold on to a wrong conclusion that I've had in my life for 30 years, it's going to hinder my intimacy with him because he doesn't have any wrong conclusions, okay? He's perfect in all his ways. He is truth. And you'll find if you'll, if you'll look to him for truth, life becomes more wonderful than you could ever imagine or dream of because he's perfect in all his ways. So we're all about this transformation that happens by knowing him more each day. I love it walking with him during the day, and all of a sudden, a thought pops into my mind, maybe a thought I've thought 100,000 times in my life. And the Holy Spirit will say, oh, hmm, that's not right. Is that according to my nature and my will? Did I reveal that to you through Christ? No, you didn't. Wow, that was something I heard years ago, and it needs to go. But what if someone criticizes you because you walk away from that conclusion that they've built a doctrine on. That's okay, isn't it? Because we want Jesus more. We don't want a doctrine more. We want Jesus more than we want the social circles of man. Don't we? If, I'm the only, if it's just me and Jesus in the circle, it's a complete circle, right? Because <laughs> he's, he's got the 360 covered, right? So understand that's our purpose here. And that moves us to forsake everything else because there is no higher purpose than knowing him, okay? Now, if this purpose is to be fulfilled of becoming more intimate with him, then we've got to recognize Jesus for who he is, the way, the truth, and the life, okay? And we've got to realize that he is God's will in the flesh, okay? Let's read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 again. This was the scripture that absolutely enabled me to receive healing, physical healing in my body in the mid-90s and to walk in divine health for, for these 20-some years. And it was realizing this, that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. So in other words, I wrestled with, in my own life, uh, from 89 to about 95, I had received healing for some things, but I wasn't sure. Is it God's will for me to be healthy all the time? I mean, maybe I'm going to learn something through these things. Maybe that's just the way I'm made because I was sick a lot in my life. I had a lot of problems in my body. But it was realizing this, that Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. So I kept reading the gospel and said, wait a minute. I can't find one place where Jesus made one person sick. I couldn't find one. I was looking. Is there just one where he said, you know, I want you to experience this tuberculosis so that, you know, you can become more humble. I couldn't find that in one place. I couldn't find one place where Jesus was causing bad things to happen to teach people things. So I had to change the way that I thought, even though it was different than what some ministers had told me, different than some of the doctrine in the churches I had been in. I had to make a decision because of my determined purpose 
to go with Jesus, not my version of Jesus, not your version of Jesus, but the Bible's version of Jesus, the Matthew through Acts version of Jesus. And that caused a separation in my life. I, and, but I had to go forward. And I'm so thankful I did. that. The exalting Him in my life enabled me to experience His will for my physical body. If I would have held on to that, that would have continued to block the healing that He had already provided for me. When I knew it was His will, it's like the floodgates opened. And, and, and I, I no longer bowed down to sickness. I had this new strength in me and this new authority to say, no more in my life, go. Hallelujah. So we, we've got to recognize Jesus if this purpose of intimacy with Him is to be fulfilled. We've got to know He's the will of God. And He doesn't change. What I did find in the ministry of Jesus, we talked about last week, is He did three things. He taught teaching, preaching, and healing. He did three things regularly, and he's the same today. Wherever there's Jesus, there'll be teaching, preaching, and healing, okay? But this kind of teaching and preaching brings life, all right? Now, here's a a shocker, and I've said it here before, and I've got to prepare you because I know that this is a, a big deal. It's, it's a stronghold, and we're going to hit this thing head on. Let me say it again. We cannot determine God's will for our lives based on what we've been through. Okay? And I don't want to make anyone mad or offend anyone, but I do want you to be free. I do want you to experience the intimacy with Christ that He longs to have with you. We can't determine what God's will is based on what we've been through or even what we're going through now. We must determine the will of God for our lives based on the person and ministry of Jesus. Okay? And that can be a real shocker. But we're going to see in the ministry of Jesus, we looked at it last week as well, you know, he said, I only do the things I see my father doing. So what does his father do? He teaches, he preaches, and he heals. Okay? That's what God does. So if I want to understand God's will for my life, I've got to look to Jesus. You can analyze your situation incorrectly. We can come to wrong conclusions about God because of what we've been through. And what that does, it hinders our intimacy with him. Okay? And we don't want that. Now, why can't we determine God's will based on what we've been through? Well, we said, remember, the earth's under the curse of sin, right? Satan is the God of this world. We have a free will, (laughs) right? What we say and believe impacts our lives. And I said a lot of stupid stuff in my life for the first at least 20 years, (laughs) you know. God is gracious, isn't he? He is gracious. So let's look at Jesus. Jesus taught us this. He taught us that God's will doesn't automatically happen. This is not a doctrine of mine. Look again at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is so liberating. Wow. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Now, Jesus has been asked by his disciples for him to teach them how to pray. 
Let's not religify this. This is real life. Jesus is talking, okay? And he begins by saying, in this manner. And some people lose it right here. In this manner. What does that little phrase mean? It means in this way or according to this understanding. In other words, whose understanding does Jesus want us to pray according to? His. Jesus wants you to know the Father like He knows the Father. Yeah, He does. Yeah, He does. So He says, according to this understanding, I want you to pray as I pray to Him. I want you to know the Father as I know Him. Not pray according to grandma's tradition, but as Jesus prays and knows the Father. The first words out of his mouth from his understanding when he's talking to the maker of heaven and earth is Father. And those should be yours. My Father in heaven. The one who gave me birth when I was born again. Right? Then look at this phrase is so powerful that it's been missed by so many. Hallowed be your name. What is that all about? What is hallowed all about? Exalted, lifted up above everything else, be your name. What is his name? God's name communicates to us very clearly his will and his nature. I mean, that's not so much a thing in our culture now. When we name someone, we don't think of what that name means, maybe. We did with our kids, but not everyone does that. But in, in, in Bible days, the name that was given to someone was, was like pro- prophesying over their life, in a sense, okay? Well, to God, for sure, when he revealed his name, he was revealing his will and his nature, Jesus said, I want you to pray with this understanding that God, your Father, that God is your Father, and I want you to exalt His will and His nature in your life above everything else. Hallowed be your will and your nature. Now, what is His will and your nature? Well, we can sit around and and have coffee and discuss it and come up with our own ideas, or we could go to the Word and find out for sure. Because God's revealed his will and he's revealed his name. The very first redemptive name that God himself spoke about himself was Jehovah Rapha in Exodus 15. There are others prior to that, but this is the first one that he said of himself. Jehovah Rapha. What does that mean? I am the Lord, your healer or your physician. Hallowed be your name. So I exalt him as the healer in my life above every physical challenge I've ever faced or am facing. And I look to him as my healer. Our Father, hallowed be your name, right? Now Jesus is the fulfillment of every redemptive name in the Old Testament. So Jesus is the fulfillment of Jehovah Rapha or Rophe. Jesus is our physician. Matthew 8, 17, himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, okay? Jehovah Nisi, another name, another will and nature of God revealed. What did that mean? I'm the Lord, your banner, your victory, your miracle. 
<laughs> I am your victory. It's his will and his nature. Victory is his nature. Healing is his nature. It's his will and his nature. His name reveals his will and his nature. Come on, are we hallowing his name in our thinking? Right? We're hallowing his name. Jesus is the fulfillment of it. 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph or who always causes us to triumph, causes us to be victorious in Christ. He's the fulfillment of it. Jehovah Jireh, we say. In, in America here, or Yireh, right? The Lord, my provider. That was one that Abraham said of God, right? In Genesis, because of God's provision in his life. But it's true, isn't it? He says, I'm the Lord. You're the Lord, my provider. Jesus is the fulfillment of that, right? Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's his will and his nature. Hallowed be your name. It's an amazing prayer, isn't it? When you start to understand what it means, right? This is Jesus' understanding of the Father. He knew the Father as his healer, as his victory, as his provider. It takes every fear out of your life, every single one. Jehovah Rohi, I'm the Lord, your shepherd. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Didn't he say that in John 10, 11, I think it is? I am the good Shepherd, right? Hallelujah. Jehovah Sidkenu, I'm the Lord, your righteousness. Why are you trying so hard to be righteous? I'm your righteousness. Let me do it in you. Takes all the labor out of it, all the striving. Just let Jesus live in you, right? Jesus is the fulfillment of that. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, amen. He's Jehovah uh, Shama. We did Sidkenu, right? We did righteousness, so it's Jehovah Shama. What does that mean? I am the Lord who's present with you now. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28, like around 20? I think it was, he said, I am with you always. Always, Right? Jehovah Shalom, I'm the Lord, your wholeness, your well-being, and your peace. Jesus said, my peace, my wholeness, my well-being, I give to you. Right? John 14, 27. So hallowed be your name. Now let's just stay here for a moment. What kind of father is he? A good one, right? He's a good father. No, but, I, but sometimes, based on some of the things I've heard in churches, he sounds like a criminal father to me. Or an abusive father. Or a perverted father. How do we know what kind of father he really is? Do we sit around debate it with others? We go to Jesus, right? We're going to let Jesus tell us directly what kind of father he is. Can we do that? Matthew chapter 7. Because the things that I've heard ministers, not all of them, but many of them, accuse God of or tell people that God is doing in other people's lives are criminal. They're criminal. Right? But we don't know him in that way because we're looking to Jesus. Matthew chapter 7 verse 9. Jesus couldn't make it any simpler right here. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. 
Couldn't be more relevant or simple, right? No one would do that unless they're criminal or perverted or abusive or insane. And God is none of the above, right? Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a serpent. Why does Jesus make this so simple? Because we need clarity regarding the will and nature of our Father. Because man has muddled it up. Preachers have muddled it up. Not all of them, but so many have preached wrong things about the will and nature of our Father. And Jesus had to make it real plain and real simple so that we can be completely confident and sure in the midst of this world we're living in of God's will and His nature. Okay? So He made it really plain. Verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give what kind of gifts? Yeah, no one had to really teach us how to give good things to our kids. It's just something that comes in you when you're a parent, right? unless something's really twisted or criminal or wrong with you, right? You know how to give good things to your kids, and we're just people. How much more? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what kind of things? Good things to those who ask Him. This has become a guiding light in my life since 1989 and even more so as I grew in Christ. So this helps me know what's from God and what's not in my life. If it's not good, it's never from Him because He's a good Father. If if my kids go home and there's a, a rattlesnake in the center of the living room floor, they know I didn't put it there. I don't know how it got there, but we didn't put it there. Because they know their dad wouldn't do something like that to them, right? So this whole idea that God makes people sick or he quote-unquote allows it to humble us or teach us things is a criminal accusation. And it's wrong. It's a tradition of man. And we reject it because Jesus taught us better than that. He made it simple and clear and plain, and we're going to go with Jesus. Okay? Regardless of what anyone might say to us, we're staying with Jesus. All right, let's go on to verse 10 in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your authority come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, he's teaching us to pray, isn't he? Right? Isn't this what this context of this passage? They often call it the Lord's Prayer, which this is according to his understanding, but he's teaching us how to pray according to his understanding. So he's saying we have to pray for his authority, his kingdom to be active in our lives. We have to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus obviously wouldn't teach us to pray for God's will to be done on earth if it happened automatically. There wouldn't be any need to say that, right? When a car is an automatic transmission, there's no clutch that I have to to operate. How many people can drive a stick? Good for you. That's good. That's the first thing I learned on. But when you, drink, when you go from driving a stick, which is what I learned on automatic, it's kind of, whoa, wait a minute, right? It's like, where's the clutch? <laughs> but there is, there's none that you operate, right? It's automatic, right? So if a car is not automatic, you've got to operate the clutch. Well, in life, you've got to operate the clutch of God's will. You've got to depress that clutch by declaring Jesus Lord of your life and Lord of your situation and circumstances. So you can go into the next gear and God can take you higher. All right? It's not automatic. We're not driving an automatic in life. 
We've, we're, it's, a, it's a stick shift life with Jesus. It is. You've got to shift gears. Come on, we're going to shift gears this morning. Clutches engaged, and we're going into second. We're coming into third. We're going higher. We're going further. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this whole idea of God's will being automatic, we need to toss that out. The Bible doesn't teach that, okay? God and His sovereignty, Jesus is the sovereign Lord. He taught us that there's a clutch in this life, and we've got to engage it, all right, for God's will to happen. Listen, what does Romans 12, 2 say? It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That tells us right now it's not automatic, right? That it's a choice. Either I'm conformed or transformed. Who determines if I'm conformed or transformed? Not God. I do, right? We're transformed by the renewing of our minds, so I've got to make a decision to let the mind of Christ live in me so that I can be transformed. I mean, if this thing was all automatic, we wouldn't have to do that, right? We wouldn't have to study the Bible. We wouldn't have to pray. We wouldn't have to learn the Scriptures. If God's will is automatic, then we can just do whatever we want. Yeah, that just simply doesn't make any sense. We talked about that a lot last week. We're going to move forward from that, okay? In fact, well, what did God say to Joshua? Meditate in my word day and night because my will is automatic. No! Meditate in my word day and night, right? So that why? Why did he tell him to do that, right? So you'll prosper and have success. So what's God's will? Prosperity and success. But it's not automatic. You've got to meditate in Him. What does Isaiah 26.3 say? That was our verse of the month last month, wasn't it? Right? What's it? Jeremiah 29.11 this month? Right? You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. God's not controlling your mind. You, control, you have control over your mind. Isn't that wonderful? Don't let anyone tell you differently. Don't let anyone tell you you don't have control over your mind. Yes, you do. Regardless of what you're being diagnosed with, God has given you control over your mind. You take it back. You declare that your mind belongs, that you have control over your mind, that Jesus is Lord of your mind, that you have a sound mind. The devil will try and steal the soundness of your mind from you. Don't you listen to him. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to get into... This is, this is kind of the culmination of this, and I want you to hang with me. Get your seatbelts on here. Why has this idea that God's will automatically happens been accepted by so many? Now, I'm not trying to offend anyone, okay? I want, I want you to be free. I want you to know Jesus as he is, not as man has told you about it. Why is this idea accepted? Well, one, it's been taught a lot by many ministries and churches. It's been in print, it's been proclaimed, it's been published. But the second reason, this where it might kind of hurt a little bit, but it's okay because the truth sets us free. It does. It's a false way of coping with difficult situations. It's a false way of coping even with tragedies. So if I've been through a tragedy with a loved one or a, or a difficult situation, Believing that somehow God had a purpose in it is a false way of coping. It does not bring real, lasting peace. It's a false peace. And that's why people struggle with what they've been through sometimes for the rest of their lives. 
It doesn't alleviate grief. See, we're different. We have a different kind of grief as believers, and it talks about this in the epistles. We don't grieve as the world grieves because our determined purpose is to know him. And one of my mentors was Sam Smith, uh, who was from Texas, who came to New England in 1979 and started a church there, and I got to know him in the mid-'90s, and we served under him. And uh, he, I, I remember hearing him speak, excellent example of this. His son, I believe when his early 20s, maybe mid-20s, somewhere in there, very strong, nothing wrong with him, was helping his dad uh, in ministry. And his son went to bed one night and didn't wake up. That's a tragedy. There's no God in that. God didn't do that. He didn't allow it. It wasn't part of his plan. So here's the father standing on the, the, the stage. And by that time we met him, it was years before we met him. And he said this, and I respect him so much for it, because he was so down after that happened. He was going to take his own life. He was so discouraged and depressed after his son died. But he said, you know, if I look at that situation... I'm not, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. I don't remember it word for word, but I remember the, the meaning of it. He said, I'm not going to put that blame on God. He said, if I didn't experience God's will in that situation, well, guess what? God didn't miss it. I did. In other words, the error's on me, not on God. Or the error may be on the person that experienced that, or we don't know, but I'm not going to put that off on God to try and cope with what just happened. Jesus said, you abide in me. If you, if you keep my words in you, you're going to know the truth. It'll make you free. And I've, I've known people from all different parts of the world have gone through some very difficult things. Some of them were, were full of joy and fulfilling God's destiny for their lives after it happened. Some of them were stuck in what happened because they've accepted false things about God that have blocked their intimacy with him. God didn't do that to your loved one. That was not his will. Listen, somewhere we missed it. That's all. Why do we have to put this block up and now change who God is in our own mind to try and deal with a difficult situation? We're not going to do that. Truth sets us free. Right? Okay? We doing all right? Truth says it, we need the peace of Christ, not this false peace, not a false coping. And you know what? We love Jesus more than our loved ones. Sam, Pastor Sam loved Jesus more than his son. So we're not clinging to our loved ones. We're clinging to Jesus. This is big stuff, isn't it? This is not easy to talk about. But we love Jesus more than anyone on this earth. So we're going to stay with him no matter what anyone else does. Okay? I know it's not easy to talk about, but I know this will set you free because it is Jesus. He's good all the time. He's never robbed a loved one from someone. Boy, oh boy, I've heard preachers say that I, from the pulpit. A child lost their, the family lost their child, and the preacher came out and said, God took that child because he had some greater purpose for it. That's a lie. That's ignorance. Jesus did not example that or teach that, nor does the Bible teach that anywhere, anyhow, Anytime. We've got to go with Jesus. Hallelujah. This is good. So we embrace this change, right? We let go of the wrong conclusions we've come to because we want Jesus more. And he's the same. 
in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, that he, he's the same today. Hallelujah. So what we do at Highway Church, we embrace the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and we learn God's will from him, and then we enforce his will in our lives, and we change our life experience. We don't let our life experience teach us the will of God. We learn the will of God from Jesus and change our life experience. Life experience is not our teacher. Jesus is. God gave us the Holy Spirit, not circumstances, to teach us. It's a big deal. It'll change the way you live. Okay? Hallelujah. Boy, oh boy, that was good. All right, let's see how we can wrap this thing up here. So we talked about, this is kind of where we wound up last week, about enforcing the will of God in our lives, okay? So not only does God's will not automatically happen, but we have to enforce it in our lives. You're the sheriff of your life. Did you know that? Matthew chapter 11, let's look at again at that. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. What would happen if someone blamed you for something terrible that happened in their life? Would that hinder their relationship with you? Absolutely. Boy, would it ever. It hinders our relationship with God if we think he caused these things. Boy, I wouldn't want to serve a God that took my child. I don't understand a God like that. Right? I go with Jesus in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Matthew chapter 11, look at this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. There's nothing automatic about that. It's been forcefully advancing. Why? Because we're in enemy territory. There's opposition to the will of God in the earth. We forcefully advance. And forceful men lay hold of it. And this is what we're going to get into next week big time. We're going to look at the way faith behaves. And boy, I wanted to get into it today, but we just don't have the time. So don't miss next week. So forceful men lay hold of it. Faith people realize that we're in enemy territory. And that if we want the will of God, we've got to take it, grab a hold of it, and seize it. Not because God doesn't want us to have it, because there's enemies around. Not people, but demons, darkness. Look how the Holman Christian Standard Bible says it again. Same verse. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence. Wow! And the violent have been seizing it by force. Does that totally change your understanding of what's happening in this world? It did mine. That just knocks this whole, everything that happened, just God's will, right out of the park, doesn't it? That just knocks it right out of our thinking. Oh, wait a minute. Well, I've got to seize it by force? The Greek word there that we, in English, we say seizing it by force. The Greek word harpazo, we, we learned last week, it means to seize, to catch away, to pluck, to pull, to take by force. Listen, the faith life is a taking by force of what God has already provided for us in Christ. You have to do it. You have to. He cannot do it for you. God is not keeping it from us. He freely gave it to us, but there are blockages in the earth. 
There are spirits of darkness that have strategies against us, trying to keep us from living the abundant life Christ came to give us. So we've got to grab a hold of what God provided for us in Christ and never let go. We pluck it. We seize it. We grab it. It's ours. And no one's going to take it from us. This is the attitude of faith. And boy, do we see it in the Scriptures. We're going to look at it more in-depthly next Sunday. But look at this in James 4, 7. It says, therefore, submit to God. Wow. So when I discard this idea of God's will happening automatically, I'm submitting to Jesus because he didn't teach that. You see? Even though I've been clinging to that to try and cope with what I've been through, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to submit to God and let that go because that's not who He is. Are you following me? All right? So submit to God and then what? Yeah, resist the devil and he will flee from you. This sounds like a Matthew eleven twelve, doesn't it? Forcefully. So submit. What does submit mean? I like the definition of submission, to come under the mission of. You ever heard that before, sub, like being under? Mission. To come under the mission of. Well, what's the mission of God? Don't let a preacher tell you what Jesus said. John 10.10. I came that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. That's God's mission. I know there's some who'd like it to be different, to agree with their denominational doctrine, but this is his mission. He said so. I'm going to stay with him. His mission is life abundantly. It's why he came. It's why he laid down his glory. It's why he took on human flesh. It's why he let his beard be plucked out of his face. And I'm going to stay with him. He came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly now. So we come under that mission, even if it doesn't agree with our religious theology, we kick our religious theology out and we take Jesus in its place. So we're all about life abundantly now. People say, well, you're greedy yourself. It has nothing to do with greed. It's the goodness of God. It's His will for our lives. Jesus declared it. You can't change it. I'm going to stay with Him. That's what He's about. It's His declared purpose. Hallelujah. So we come under the mission of God, John 10.10, and we resist the devil. So it sounds like there are two choices that I have to make. Here's that clutch again, right? It's not automatic. You start reading the scripture, you say, boy, there's nothing automatic about this at all. It's choices. I've got to choose this daily. I've got, because boy, there are thoughts. I mean, I've been walking and understanding this for years, but there are daily thoughts I have to resist because I might hear someone, a well-respected leader say something or a group of people that I'd like to be closer with might say something. And I'm like, well, maybe, wait a minute, stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. I love you more, Lord. I love you more. I love you more than man's approval or friendships. I want you more. So it's a daily choice. Two choices I'm making daily, right? I'm under the mission. I'm, I'm involved in God's mission of abundant life, and I'm resisting anything contrary to it. And my clutch is engaged as I make those decisions. It's kind of like Mariah in our new dishwasher. Did I tell you about our new dishwasher yet? Mariah, I hope you don't mind me telling you about dishwasher. All right. So the Bosco's dishwasher died last year. Okay. I don't remember when it was, maybe the summer, fall. But we were months without this baby. 
And with at least six people eating in your home, you know that dishes can stack up. And boy, after months of dishes stacked on the counter, you're working hard trying to keep them clean, and uh, you really want a dishwasher, you know. So we got one a few weeks ago. <laughs> well, we wanted to rearrange the kitchen a little bit, so we relocated it and did some little renovation. But our old dishwasher had a lot of trouble with it. I mean, you know, you had to kind of, after we had it, we said, well, let's try and clean the dishes a little bit before we put them in. And then sometimes we had to clean them again after they came out and put them back in to try and run another cycle. It just didn't work very well. So we get this new dishwasher, and, and, and the kids were, because they ended up doing a lot of the dishes, so uh, they were kind of frustrated with the old dishwashers. They get this new one. I said, listen, this thing's new. This is what the guy at the store told me. He said, don't rinse the dishes before you put them in. They're like, Dad, that's what he said. He said, the manufacturer says, don't rinse these before you put them in this dishwasher. I said, why? He said, because there are sensors inside. And if you rinse them before you put them in, he said, it won't do a good job. So I said, we're not going to rinse them. So we took that thing right off the table and bang, <laughs> the dishwasher. We took, I got like some baked on baked dish stuff and stuck it in there. We hit the auto button. He says, just hit the auto button. It'll, it'll determine. And those things were sparkling when they came out. But Mariah kind of hasn't accepted it yet. She's like, Dad, it's not going to work. But it keeps happening. It keeps working. So she's, she's, but that's what it's going to be like. You've tried religion, right? I've tried religion, and the dishes aren't clean. My conscience isn't clear. I'm not healed and whole, right? I'm not living the life abundantly. So someone comes along like me and starts telling you these things, and it's kind of like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it, right? I'm going to rinse my dishes. I'm going to keep believing what I believe. No, don't rinse your dishes anymore. Let the blood of Jesus keep you clean, okay? Come on. God's dishwasher, Jesus Christ. He works. It works. Faith in Jesus works. Hallelujah. Woo. Okay, we've got to end this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Boy, I love it that he keeps, he's made us clean and he keeps us clean. But we do have to engage the clutch. We've got to resist the enemy. We've got to stay with the promises of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. And Lord, I know that this is a different way of thinking. And I know what you've done in my life. And Lord, I pray for, for everyone here physically in this place. Lord, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us to drive a stick, to engage the clutch in our lives and to go into a new gear, to go higher and deeper in you, to become all you've made us to be. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning. Father, a blessing upon them. They made a decision to come here, to physically be present, and I bless them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anyone who might be listening online who may see this video Father, I pray that you would reveal Christ to them in a special way. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.